Oh, God, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Because she's on her own. Uh... Have you started already? Is that how it begins, your comedy? Because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, if I were you, Alex, I, 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 might, I might write something which is a little more grabby. Do you know... It's a scene. It's a scene, and it and it taps into one of the greatest loves of my life, which is tequila. And she so basically she you've takes, written about yourself, haven't you? <laughs> she she takes the tequilas, but she can't help herself. She has to go back into the lounge and just kind of plump up the cushions and make sure the house is looking perfect. So she's just basically too uptight to be a free spirit. So the, I've done. I have. I've confessed. I haven't written lines. I haven't given it a title either. Wild and free. introduce today's guest. Uh, I had the utter delight, actually, of working with today's guest many years ago. Um, we both worked for BBC Sport. And when he left, I remember being massively excited for him because he'd moved into script writing. So I think I'm right, Will, in thinking, uh, saying he spent about 10 years or so working in TV drama, shows like The Bill and Doctors. He's published two successful novels so far. Um, and I think a third's in the bag and a, a fourth is, is on the uh, way. Am I right, Will? A third is um, is, is pretty much done now. Uh, it's out February the 5th, available for pre-order now. Um, and um, literally this week was was the week we really got stuck into book four for the, for the first time. So The Killing Choice, your second book, is like top of the Sunday Times crime list, for heaven's sakes. How did that happen? I, I could have thought, I have no idea. I have no idea. You, 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 I was told, um, I, I knew with the first book as a debut novel, it would get it would would get a few a, a few reviews in the nationals and 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 um, uh, you know that, that was obviously very enjoyable when that happened but I was told um, with the second book it would be a little less um, that, it, that it wouldn't have quite the same coverage um, so to, to to get into the Sunday Times I think to get into the Guardian um, you know they're quite big hitters so it was it was it, 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 honestly you find out the same way everybody else does you know you, you, on the day you go oh, blimey look at that and it's uh, it's just a lovely lovely surprise when you when you read it you've written scripts haven't you for doctors and the bill are you a, a little obsessed with people in uniform as these are crime <laughs> novels oh well it's just the way i mean you can't you just cannot cannot in a million years plot a career you have you haven't you're just you're just you know a, a leaf in the wind really you, you don't really have much choice those are the shows i ended up on um i would say probably the most important show i worked on was the bill because i just learned on that show more than any other show huge amount about storytelling um a huge amount that informs the books that i'm doing now um i worked on it as a script editor um for a while and then i was a writer for a while on that show and absolutely devastated when that show came to an end actually and it it it, it was the biggest learning ground that i had as a writer i would say you say you'd learned a lot about storytelling you sort of probably had a quite good grounding in storytelling from working broadcasting before but what did you learn in particular on the bill structure um hundred times over it was sort of it was it was burnt you, you know what it, it, it i wish i could i wish i could paint this as a sort of um you know, wonderfully creative, ethereal process, but it, it usually involved um, you as a script editor with a writer in a small airless room in South Wimbledon with a whiteboard <laughs> until about 10 o'clock at night to the point where your eyes were bleeding and you, you just wanted to go home and surrender. The bill, because it had ad breaks in it, um, each episode was split into four because that's how ITV dramas 
um, are broken up. Um, and parts one and parts four are slightly shorter um, than parts two and three. So parts one tend to be a setup of a, of a story. Part four, um, so part one would be eight you know, in real time, about eight o'clock till about 10 past eight. Um, part four would be about 10 to nine to nine o'clock, and they're about 10 minutes each. That would be the resolution of the story. Um, the sinking sands of doom tended almost in every episode to be parts two and three, which were a bit longer. Um, and I think every writer will tell you that a setup of a story is quite easy. Uh, resolving a story is, is quite, can, can be fun, can be easy, but it's that middle bit where you, where you have to keep the energy going and you have to keep the storytelling going. And um, uh, the number of times you would sit there with a writer and you're just both banging your head against the wall and you've got a big whiteboard where you're just putting up scenes and you're, and you're, you're looking at them going, no, no. Um, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. But once you've been through that with a writer and writers, as an editor, writers learn to hate you. I mean, they just hate that process. It is not fun, um, but it is the most it is the most valuable um, experience you can possibly have because when you're doing that um, as your day job, um, day in, day out, with different writers um, and working with different writers and understanding how they tell a story, and they've all got slightly different ways of telling a story, and you're telling different kinds of stories. Sometimes they're big action packed line of duty kind of stories or sometimes they're more emotional smaller character based stories um you've got to find different ways once you get into those part twos and part threes of 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 making those episodes work out of your pain and your structure <laughs> that you've been working through yeah. have you got any creative thoughts for us what would be your first tip well, I would say find your own voice is 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 critical um, because as an editor, like I say, you are working with with writers, so you're working with different writers, and so you go, you know, I would sit there as an editor and think, well, that's not how I would do it, but I don't want to destroy what this guy does. This is how he does it, um, and my job as an editor is to get the best out of him. So what what you can't do as an editor is stamp yourself all over that writer and go, well, this is what I would do. This is you're doing it wrong. I know what I would do. This is how you do it. What you have to do as an editor is 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 help that writer make his way of telling a story work. Um, when you become a writer, it's different because I'm editing myself. Really, I have an editor, but when I'm writing, and she she will come back and and work with me. But in in that first instance with the first draft. I'm editing. I'm sort of self-editing, but you have to you have to have your own voice. So I would say find your own voice. Be inspired by other people. I love Stephen King, but I don't write anything like Stephen King. But I love Stephen King. Um, don't copy them. Uh, and 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 I think probably the biggest thing for me um, and. I, everybody's different, but the biggest thing for me is I write the kind of books that I myself would want to read, and I think every writer does that really. Um, so don't try and write books you think other people would want to read write something that you would want to read can i ask you where did alex finn come from will's books is a di alex finn series now isn't it where did that character come from he's a composite um just about everybody i know comes up to me and goes oh he's you isn't he um and i, I can't <laughs> i can't i get a bit annoyed actually because yes he is a bit of an anal retentive middle-aged man and, and yes that's, that's an enormous reach for me but um He's, he's a composite, really, of bits of me, bits of people I have met, bits of complete made-up fiction. He's a composite. And to, to say he is one thing, that he is 
a, a creation that I've invented. It's none of those things. It's a, there's a bit of everything in him. I, I started the starting point for him really was that he was a recently bereaved man, um, and I wanted to start with him at a very low place because then um, that also again this is one of those things you learn. I learned on the bill. It's all about character journeys, so it, it gives you that character an inbuilt journey from the off. You know, you're starting from a very clear place. And you can then, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just writing book four now where um, he's sort of emerging from that grief. So it's, you know, there's four books I've got out of that grief. So it, it was a good place to start. Many people have talked about that in your reviews. Was that difficult to find that sort of tone for the character? I knew almost from the off that I wanted to write grief as realistically as possible. Um, and I didn't want it to be the kind of grief you see on television shows or in films where it's it's slightly heightened. I wanted it to be real. I wanted him to, at times to laugh. I wanted him at times to be fine and other times to be ir- – I, I just wanted it to be um, as, as, as realistic um, an experience as day-to-day grief is for many people uh, and not this constant one-note thing. Um, in terms of the world of the show, um, it's really interesting because we don't have a bias which which a lot of people do for TV shows and because I kind of know it I kind of know what 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 works in that world and what doesn't and so does my editor and it's very it's very I, I, we've never had the conversation she and I but it, we don't do slightly mad over the top villains we don't do slightly insane wacky we don't do people who kill women every 10 chapters because that's just what they get out of bed and do um, it, it, it I, I like the, the the villains to have a almost um, something you can understand about why they're doing what they're doing, if not necessarily sympathize with, but at least understand where they're coming from. Um, Because I just want it to feel as authentic and as real as possible. I've got to give you this. This is the best note you'll ever get from anyone ever. Um, If I was watching something with my mum on TV, um, it would be about five minutes in and she would just go, "This, this is a bit silly, isn't it? And if you think about it, that phrase can kill anything stone dead. It, it can kill anything. Um, and I just, my mum's voice is in my head when I'm writing. If, if the moment I get to the point where I go, it's a bit silly, isn't it? That, then I know that I've crossed the line. It's the, that note more than any other keeps me on the straight and narrow with these books in terms of the time. Where else have you got in this journey to writing uh, two successful books? What's your second creative thought? Have confidence in your own ideas um, because um, the analogy, uh, uh, there's a million analogies you can come up with for writing. Um, There's a million analogies you will read online about writing. Um, The analogy I always come back to is is it's like setting, it's like setting sail in a boat, a small rowing boat on a long journey across an ocean. If you know where you're going, you can carry on rowing. At some point, you're going to be in the middle of the ocean with nothing around you except sea. But if you know where you're going, you're not going to panic because you've got a compass and you know the direction of travel and you know where you're going to go and eventually you'll see land. The worst feeling in the world, and this takes me back to those days at the bill in those offices at 10 o'clock, is when you're in the middle of the ocean, you cannot see land and you haven't a clue where you're going. Because at that point, that, that, as a writer, that is the worst feeling. You're lost. You're just lost. The story is imploding. If you have a confidence in your idea, you believe in your idea, you're excited by your idea, um, you will know instinctively. With that comes some of the beats of the story. You'll know where it's going. You know where it's starting. You'll know where it's going in the middle and you'll kind of know where it's going to finish up. Um, So there are times where you will doubt your own idea. um, 
if you believe in it, stick with it. I was going to pick up on that, Will, because you'd be very proud of me. I've just started doing a comedy writing course. And it's hard to have confidence in your own ideas if you're a novice. So you say that sort of have confidence in your own ideas. But were you able to have that confidence right at the beginning when you were just starting out? I would actually say it's quite interesting talking to you, Alex, because you'll you will get this and you will understand this this comparison. But it's like if I was talking to you as a radio producer and you were making a documentary and I was pitching ideas to you, there's some you would go, no, that won't work. And there's some you go, actually, that's not a bad idea. And then there's some that you'll go, that works, that works, that's, that we could definitely make a documentary out of that. Um, you know, you, you, you will, in, in your own editorial sensibility will tell you when something is work, when something works. For me, the most difficult bit of the novel writing process is coming up with that first elevator pitch. Um, because the the biggest sell it's got to be is to myself. I've got to think that I really like that excites me. I can't write it unless I'm a bit excited about an idea for some reason. I tried to work up a story about modern slavery because it's a huge thing at the moment. It's a big, big thing for the Met Police. Um, And I I thought it was quite topical and it was quite interesting. And I thought, maybe there's a story in that. And try as I might, every time I went back to it, it was quite plodding. It was exactly what you would expect a story on modern slavery to be um, with all the elements you might expect. I won't, I won't go through all of it, but you can you can kind of imagine what it might be. I just couldn't find anything in that subject that excited me. Um, the question you, you get asked a lot is, where do you get your ideas from? And the simple truth is you start with a seed of something and then you develop it. And that seed of something really needs to be something that excites you. Um, if you're excited by it, then developing it isn't so hard. But you need in that for if if what I would say is in answer to your question, if you if that first instinct about an idea excites you, remember that, hold on to that, stick with that. It's probably going to work. Um, you just need to find a way to develop it into something that works, which is a whole other thing. But if that first instinct is I'm onto something and I like this, don't let go of it. I I once talked to someone that made The Apprentice and and one of the most interesting things they said, Will, was that we cut the programme backwards. Basically, we cut the end, who gets fired, and then we sort of work out what happens until then. Was it like that with a crime novel? Did you know what was going to happen at the end and you sort of work backwards? A hundred percent. I can't stress that enough. For me, there's, there's three ways. There's a process to it. You need a really good hook at the beginning. So you've got to have a really good hook for something. Um, That's not enough. That's just a way into a story. It's not a story. I like to know the moment I've come up with that hook, I need to know where we're going. I need to know where this is ending up. I need to know who the killer is. I need to know why they're doing what they're doing almost as importantly, if not more importantly. Um, And when I know what the hook is at the beginning and I know where we're going with that and where that is going to end up, then I can plot a point between those two points. And then then once once I'm doing that, I've got a, a, a proto-structure to work with. So, front of all creative knowledge, your third creative thought, please. Um, use everything. <laughs> use absolutely everything. I chuck everything into the... I, 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 you have to be, pardon my language, but you have to be the whore of Babylon. You, you take from <laughs> everywhere. You take, you take from 
people you take from your own family you take from people you once had a conversation with um 30 years ago you take from people you you listen to on the train you take from films you've watched you take from people i've overheard at football matches you take from literally everywhere and you mix it, 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 it you're not plagiarizing you're not stealing because everything is a hybrid absolutely everything is a hybrid you are you are you are whipping up a new confection out of all these things but i am I really believe in that because it it's real. Then, if you are if you're drawing on real life, then it that is grounded in reality. You're drawing on real emotions. You're drawing on real people, um, and you just I just mix it all up. You'll never recognise somebody in my books because there, 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 there's about three or four people in each character that I've come across in some form or another. It's strange, isn't it? Because Alex and I always use this phrase um, stealing things, but people feel a bit guilty about that. They feel that you're you're not creative if you're if you're if you're stealing an in inverted no no throw throw rules and regs out the window you're, you're not stealing you're remixing you're and and um usually you're you're triggering something as well and once once you've got for me it's very important to know whom all my characters are the guest characters are you know that they're three-dimensional people that i've sat and probably properly thought through who who this person is if you ask me about them, I can tell you a little bit about them. I make sure that, that they're all slightly different, so they're distinctive enough for the reader to, to, to tell the difference between them. But you've really got to sit and think out these characters, and, and that, that's why drawing on real life. It's not theft at all, and people shouldn't feel bad. In your writing and broadcast and, um, oh gosh, script editing career, Will, when, when's it really gone wrong? Where's the, where it's an episode of The Bill you thought, oh my God, I've got to turn off after the first commercial break? I can think of two examples. I don't, I don't know. Uh, I mean, usually the thing is with, with when things go wrong is they get junked quite quickly. So it's not, it's, it, 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 you, you fix them in some form. But I, I think the example was I got given a bit of a hospital pass at the bill um, where they wanted to do a, a story on dogfighting, um, which had been a bit of a holy grail there because every time it had been attempted, they'd had to junk it because it was just, it, it was just too unpleasant for a pre-watershed show um but they thought no we're gonna nail it we're gonna do it we're good we're finally gonna do this and we're gonna get it right and they gave it to me and as luck would have it there was a brilliant 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 panorama on that week about dog fighting and i just rubbed my hands and i was like brilliant and i watched it and it, it you couldn't have got better research this panorama investigator went un undercover to a dog fighting to a dog fight in, infiltrated a, a dog fighting circle and there were so many little details so much and i i went away and i was so careful and i wrote an episode that that showed nothing showed nothing the worst you saw was somebody just holding a dog that was growling and it was all done by <laughs> suggestion and 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 so you know between eight and nine it's the bill you're not going to see you know dogs taking chunks out of each other but it um, I was so proud of it. I thought at the time it was the best thing I've ever done, and 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 they they nixed it. They just went it it even though you're not showing anything, the tone was so unpleasant. So they they said we can't put this out because lots of old ladies with their cats and dogs would just flip out. Um, How did that feel? I was I was really really devastated because I was so proud of that episode. I thought I'd done everything right. I put the research into it. There were some lovely little details in it. Um, uh, I was, well, it, well, it so could have been a crime of its own. You might have killed a few old age pensioners with your storyline. There was this lovely detail. That, well, it's not lovely. It's pretty unpleasant. But if there's a dog fighting circle, <laughs> um, the first way you know is that 
people's cats and dogs start going missing because what 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 the people who organize these things do is they is they they give their attack dogs the scent of blood by giving them your cat basically um but i was sort of riffing off this old 90s 80s image of the bill where there's a little old lady who's lost her cat and you've got these two policemen walking along and they go oh my cat's gone missing and i was i would sort of open the episode <laughs> with that because i thought this really i was so proud of that and it you know it was it was it was two of those characters like reg hollis and and pc stamp who are these slightly comedic characters that have been in it for years and they come across this little old, and she's lost her cat and they're always up a tree or something and no it's it, it's really not um <laughs> but so that, that went wrong. That was a crib. But the other one I do want to very quickly mention because I just it's an idea I loved, I still like a bit, but it just appalled people every time I pitched it. Um oh, go on, I, go on. It just appalled people. But I had this idea about a paedophile um who is grooming a teenage girl online and she doesn't know who he is. And this paedophile finds out during the course of this <laughs> Alex's face I- is what <laughs> that's what i was encountering when i was pitching it um this will's, will's quite dark <laughs> Sorry. but this paedophile is grooming this teenage girl and during the course of this electronic conversation discovers something even worse than he is is about to happen to this this poor young girl and actually he's the only person who can save the day because he's the only person party to this information and actually becomes a strange sort of anti-hero in this story who who saves this girl. Um, and I was really proud of that idea. I thought it was unusual. I thought it was original. I, I, everything I've talked about with you guys so far about being excited about an idea, um, I, I thought it ticked every box. It was different. It was original. Um, it excited me. And I really – at one time, I just thought, oh, you could just do it in, in, these, in an exchange of emails between these two people. The whole book could just be these two emails between these two people with this, this awful man pretending to be someone else, and he actually saves her. Um, but the whole world, as one, told me you can't have a paedophile as an as so a we'll, hero. Well, just, <laughs> just, just describe describe to me the commissioner's face. <laughs> what, <laughs> it, was, it was my agent who 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 had two young children and just went no. She just she just looked at me and went no like that, and I went oh maybe not. <laughs> um, but Fair enough. I've never ever ever ever. Every time I've ever brought it up, people just, it's like I, I've just broken wind in the room or something. It's just like they just look at me like, let's move him on. Let's just nudge away from this one. <laughs> and I still, I still, as I'm talking about, I think now, years later, I, I can kind of see where they're coming from. You can't. Well, I, I'm just going to say this once. No. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. No. Okay. It's gone. I'm letting it go. Now, uh, very kindly, our, our creative types out there, um, bring us a gift. Have you got any little tip for us or a gift you can share with our podcast friends? Well, I want to welcome you into my world. I want you to know what I feel like every every sort of uh, February, March time when I'm sitting down to do to do a new book, um, which is I've talked about, you know, coming up with a story and usually that's just, you know, a three line idea that I wake up one morning or I'm on the tube or I'm cooking and it suddenly hits you and you go, Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? But what you've got to do if you're um if you're really serious about writing a, a, a full length story is you've got to write three hundred and fifty pages and you've got to divide that story into maybe forty five chapters, broadly, roughly. Uh, everyone's different. I do forty five. So you've got to take that idea and divide it into forty five. So my challenge to you is, can you come up with a story idea that you think you can divide into 45 separate pieces? 
that'll keep me busy. Oh, no, I like that, Will, because I think I might reach three. Just very, very quickly, one last question, because I've been dying to know. Alex asked you about creating the character, but where did you get the name? Because that's always the thing, isn't it? Did you go through hundreds of names for Alex Finn? Oh, God, I'm I'm rubbish at names. Um, I'm, I'd like to say it came so wait, from where Alex did it Dalton, come from? but um, I just I, sp- I I'm never quite happy with 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 names. I, I spend an eternity trying to come up with them, and I'm never quite happy with them. Um, I think Finn. I like the surname as a detective inspector, um, but I quite liked Alex because I think it. Um, I didn't want him to be. I think if you've read the books, you know he's not a kind of rough, tough kind of cop. He's uh, he's a bit he's a bit metrosexual. So Alex Finn sounded kind of pitched it kind of about where I wanted him to be. I think. Are we thinking Tom Cruise? Are we Are we thinking who are we thinking? Jerry I have. Butler, I, who I are have. I have actors in my head. Uh, I, I actually, I know. I, I, I uh, when I was writing the first one, I've moved away from this a little bit. Um, but there's um, an actor, uh, actually a Danish actor called Lars Mikkelsen that I had in mind when oh, I was I writing. Love Lars Mikkelsen. Um, but he was in my head a lot, and uh, funnily enough, in in recent times, Rory Kinnear has kind of taken over in my head a little bit. But um, um, I don't really have an actor in in my in my head when I'm when I'm writing. He's, he's sort of Finn has become. Finn now he's becoming his own man I think I just want to ask you a little question just just sort of selfishly really all those years ago when we were sitting doing the regional sports desk we were doing when did you know when did you know you had books in you that this was something you might be capable of and that you were going to give it a go well I'll, I'll give you a confession actually um I did a drama degree um so long before I got into sport um I kind of realized without telling my whole life story in, in, in rambling too long, but I kind of knew quite quickly I wasn't I wasn't really a sports reporter and that I wasn't that wasn't really in my DNA. I, I was always a bit intimidated about trying pros. I was really I was quite nervous about pros. Um, and then I thought I would have a go. Uh, and then I found once I started doing it, I was getting the same enjoyment from it as from a script. And, and, and in fact, there's so much more you can get in writing scripts to cut a long story short is always about being economical it's 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 reducing big emotions down to a page and a half um with prose it's all about expanding that so it's you know you you, you can see finn's grief in a script would be a look a line um in in you know i can make chapters out of it in a book so it's that, that that's one of the big difference i I've, I've just um with each book enjoy it more and more i think Will Schindler, before you go with your amazing um, second book up there in the Sunday Times list, uh, crime list, tell us where you can get it. You can buy The Burning Men and you can buy The Killing Choice on Amazon and you can pre-order The Hunting Ground. Um, as well on Amazon. Well, all, all those years sitting in the sports room were not wasted. If for nothing else, you had a rich seam of characters to draw from, shall I say. Well, Alex, the challenge for you is to spot which one of them, which, which have made it in there. Well, Some have. <laughs> well, I shall look. What a nice man that Will Schindler is. Has he changed since you worked with him? No, he's ex- he's exactly the same, which he was always going to be because he was this lovely, warm, authentic, 
slightly dry presence in the sports room and it was just really gorgeous to see him again after many years and I'm so I'm just so delighted for him in his success because I was delighted enough when he went off to do his writing um in tv and to suddenly see he had these books and they were doing really well it was doubly delightful he deserves it and obviously and it's come from hard graft actually it's really it was really interesting he went off he he's obviously grafted in story and then come out with some things and immediate killer books. I thought the bravest thing was from what he said, uh, editing someone else's voice, where actually, strange enough, I've done quite a lot of that in my career. But to then to find your own voice is the step, isn't it? When you're unsure and when you're starting out, it's really hard to find your own voice because there is a sea of other voices coming at you saying, well, it could work that way, but what if you did it this way? It must. Be, it's very hard to hold your nerve. So... But finding your own voice mm. is a really important thing to do right at the start. And uh, and also, as you said, that idea that you've got to have the confidence or the editorial to think this is a good idea and this voice is a good one. I would feel if I set out on the boat that to use of writing a book, I'm not sure I'd have that confidence to know I was on the right course. I think you're right. I think and lot everybody there's everybody says that you know I've got a book in me, but it's very hard to get going and think I'm going to actually I'm going I'm to get on that boat and row out to sea. Uh, but he had his he had his route navigated. That was a really interesting thing. He wasn't he was rowing with some confidence already because he'd done that structure and he knew where he was going. I, rem- I remember when the, the BBC at one point changed their computer system basis. You'll remember it. They actually found I can't remember it was something like thirty three novels on it. That pe- oh, did they? People had written and obviously just mm. never gone, you know, put in a cupboard somewhere and never thought, oh, I'll even yeah. show it to my partner. Yeah, yeah. It's a very, it's, in, it's incredibly personal. Um, when you write, if somebody critiques it, they're not critiquing something that's sort of over there that you've had a bit of a hand in there. It's, it goes to your very soul, doesn't it? So that's why it's hard to get started. As well. I, think, I think that's so true because even if you make television, if you make a uh, film or you design something, it's normally slightly more of a group effort, isn't it? And there's something about writing a book that people really hang it up against the person and judge the person, don't they? Yeah. This, the other thing I noticed about this week was if you've listened to last week's, we spoke with Greg, who was completely self-confident and his mm. creative, he was saying, it's just within me, it comes out, it exists already, it's fairly easy. And then the contrast this week of Will saying, it's there within me, but I really graft as well. There's also a real element of hard work to it. And I think that's sometimes the surprise I get when I work with people in creativity and ideas. They think that there's a wand you can wave and it releases something that's wonderful. Mm. But actually, creativity can just be complete hard graft sometimes. I think Greg underneath it all had done that hard work. You know, those trips on the bicycle Mm. with the Mozart. uh, He did get it wrong quite a long, you know, a number of times at a young age. I think it was there. Actually, I think I think it's very, very difficult to be creative in a field unless you've done all of that hard work, actually. A- another thing that Will said, which Greg said as well, was just use everything. Just be that sort of, not just sponge, but steal stuff. This, this warms my heart when people say steal stuff. I don't know why. It just makes it feel less um, threatening or something. Yeah, and it's... everything's all around you. You don't have to put all the work in yourself. And a tip for that for anybody listening is have a little, I have in my bag, a little notebook 
I find it better than putting notes on my phone. I just rather write things down. That is there for me whenever I spot anything interesting. I see something funny. I see a thought occurs to me. Some uh, there's a snippet of conversation. So yes, steal everything, but also be be prepared to record the treasures that you're finding that are all around you. Have some way of recording it because that little book can be so useful when you're just looking for stimulation. Love this, Alex. Next week, we're going to open by opening your book and finding the one little insight of the person on the bus. Bring it to us like a little magpie or shiny thing. A bus? A bus? These very days? Have you been on a bus ever in oh, your middle no, but class I'm going career? To, but I'm going to the pub today. Going for my first visit to the pub, so I'll get my I'll keep my ears peeled at the pub, Colin. You're going to sit outside with your notebook for me. Observe some people, cold, in a coat, drinking a pint. <laughs> I will do. I will do until I finish that glass of wine and then I'm nobody's. <laughs> Tequila, darling, I think you're fine. 